Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of the E3 Podcast, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This season, we're going to talk about building science, female entrepreneurship, and the built environment. Prepare to get nerdy. So welcome back to the last podcast for 2022. I'm really excited. I have Emily Sikorsi on here. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, with with Root and River, and I'm really big on uh, supporting other women in the industry, especially women who have started their own businesses. Um, but for everybody who contacts me, I often get the question, well, how do we convince our clients to you know, build better things and do, do better things? And so I wanted to invite Emily on because she does such a great job helping people develop their brands and what they're getting into. So I thought this is an awesome way to end 2022, to talk about some of these things so that um, hopefully it can help anybody who listens to build better businesses for 2023. So Emily, welcome. Tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, we met at the Entrepreneur Architect Summit. It was awesome. And I said, please come on the podcast. You're awesome. So tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm, I'm really happy to be here, especially on the last episode of the year. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So I started Root and River uh, it's it's coming up on our seventh anniversary this year, next month in January, seven years ago, um, co-founded it and um, became the full owner this year. So it was a big year for us. So at Root and River, we believe that great brands, um, they're far more than just a, a logo or color. They are how other people experience what you believe. And they're deep and they're spiritual and they come from somewhere uh, really inside of you that we could refer to as the soil of soul. And so any endeavor to brand something really begins with an inward journey to understand you know, where have I come from? Why am I doing this? What is my purpose here on earth during my time? And then we kind of, we do that deep work alongside of you and guiding you. And then we help uncover and articulate that and clear compelling language that helps you differentiate speak directly to a specific audience and and kind of long-term create thought leadership content around that set of deeply held beliefs. So that's a little bit about what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you actually presented right before Mike and I did at the Entrepreneur Architect, and I was really into uh, doing your worksheet that you were telling everybody uh, that we were writing down. And I was like, no, I don't want to stop doing this so I can go prep and get ready for it. Um, because, uh, and one of the things that I've been teaching a uh, workshop for architects uh, on the Pretty Good House these last couple of days to get credits here at the end of the year, and I put together a training series um, in starting in January um, for for uh, everybody to to take builders, architects, homeowners alike. Um, and Mark said, you know, go take a look at Emily's website. She says exactly what she does and what she doesn't do. So do you get a lot of pushback from clients when they come in where they either potentially don't know what is important to them or um, are afraid? I think what happens in the architecture world is in, in some ways we're afraid to sort of set that line in the sand and say, you know, this is what I do because that means that we will be turning away clients. So that, like, how do you deal with that when, um, as a, pra a practitioner comes to you and they're just like, well, you know, I want to differentiate myself, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to exclude anyone. And that's not exactly how it works. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's not exactly how it works. It reminds me of that old quote of, 
everybody wants change, but no one wants to change. It's similar here. Everyone wants to be different. Everyone wants to be differentiated, but no one wants to be different. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, like, I don't want to be too different. And what if I offend people? And what if I lose deals? And like, all of those things are going to happen, but they're going to happen anyway. So um, it's a little bit of a switch of a the polarity and the way people think about brand, but because people genuinely generally think about brand as attraction and um, really branding is a lot, or at least equally about repelling as it is about attracting. It's about knowing who you are and what you want to do and the sort of perspective and unique philosophy that you have so clearly and so well, and then presenting that so articulately that the people who are in the opportunities that are a great match. Yes, they'll be attracted to you, but those that are a poor match will be repelled as quickly and efficiently as possible. So they never really come into your ecosystem and become a drain of your time, resources, and energy. Or in the worst case scenario, you start working with them anyway, and you get a little bit into the project and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Uh, we're just not, we're not fitting. Um, you know, you have to fire a client. It's not a, it's not a good place to be. So that short-term desire to like not turn away something, I, I understand that I'm an entrepreneur too, but it actually can come around and really be a serious detriment to your business long-term. So, um, so I don't get back because by the time they are already on the phone talking to me, they understand our philosophy, which is exactly what I teach our clients to do as well. So everyone I speak with, they're already a lot, they've already swallowed that pill and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm curious enough. I'm interested enough. I don't have the words and that's why they, they reach out to us. Um, but they've already said, okay, that sounds like a philosophy that I I can really get in, get on board with. Yeah. So. I think um, one of the things that's important that, you know, we say is like repelling the clients and, and everything in the architecture industry is like, arch as architects, we're not all good at everything. There are so many different kinds of architects. You know, there are commercial architects, there are residential architects, and there's everything in between, right? Like legally, I can build a skyscraper, but you wouldn't hire me to build a skyscraper. That's not my background. I do residential, you know. And then on top of that, within the residential market, you know, my two specialties are energy efficiency and anything within 250 feet of a major water body. Because in Maine, we have a lot of water. You know, we've got lots of oceans and lots of lakes and you just can't do whatever you want uh, when you're trying to protect the natural habitat that is part of, you know, lakes, streams, and oceans. Um, and so, you know, we said that a, a, a part of my business is from the very beginning, I said, I'm just going to start talking about those things, right? And everybody asked me from a business perspective, which I think this goes way back into your brand and understanding who you are as a brand or what, you know, what your company is as a brand is, you know, at the end of the year, if that's now for people who are listening, take a look at all the projects you did. Which ones did you like? Which ones didn't you like? Which ones took up so much time? Unfortunately, sometimes passion projects or things we really enjoy are things that don't actually uh, financially make us money or take up a ton of time or um, just end up being, uh, uh, like you said, financial and time suck on, on the practice. And so, um, they're like, well, how do you, how do you get your clients to buy into it? And it's exactly the same as what you said about your business, which helps other people do this for their businesses. When they get till they get to me, they have maybe either already listened to my podcast, they've read the book, 
um, they can see very clearly in in the words that are on my website that what I do, you know, and what's really passionate and important to me. And I understand that I didn't have the words. I had somebody help me with that, you know, help me to connect to our market as that we're, you know, as architects, we're not good at all kinds of architecture. And uh, as business owners, we're not good at all aspects of business. Having someone like you to help, um, you know, to help people get through that is so incredibly important. So what's generally the first thing you do uh, when you start with your clients? Yeah. So we, well, just to kind of build off what you say, like whenever there's a pull the car over moment in a business, like we can't go any further until we deal with X, you know, and sometimes that's a process or sometimes that's a hire or sometimes, sometimes that's a brand crisis and it can be for established brands or, or new brands, but um, there's always then, okay, this is going to cost me money, you know, and, and that's completely understandable. It's like, okay, you know, I have to invest in this. You got to wrap your head around that. Um, the beautiful thing about brand is that you make that initial investment and it serves you, hopefully if we've done our jobs right, five to 10 to a lifetime, because it's around digging into the deepest parts of you. We're not an agency, so we don't take this philosophy of like, oh yeah, we'll meet for two hours and then we can, then we can get you set up on SEO or the recurring revenue that they need to make their business work. And I'm not, I don't mean to disrespect the agency model, but they often treat brand strategy as a pit stop to those other mechanisms. And when you do the deep dive, it's not just a exercise. It's a, it's a connection to who you are and the change you want to make in the world. So it lasts much longer. Um, so that's where we start to answer your question. That's where we begin. Um, all of our work really begins with an inward journey into this, into, uh, your beliefs. And those are things, the way we define it is the things that you believe that no one ever taught you. They didn't come from a set of organized religion or even a family structure. They're just something that was within you from beginning, from the beginning, like almost at a soul or spirit level. And so we, we go deep, we go deep into what are the set of five beliefs um, that, that you hold most true, that you'd get arrested for defending. Um, so we walk them through a process. This is all contained with within something we call a root session. And so that uh, it brings together, you know, the key players that those that have either created the brand. Um, so it might be one person, it might be a team of 10 to 30. We've done big root sessions as well. Um, and where it's a really a creative, immersive experience to uncover these foundational elements. And then we move through vision, we move through um, your mission, uh, which is not a mission statement, not one of those horrible run-on sentences that you put on the wall and nobody, <laughs> but just three or four words of what you're here to do that nobody else can do in the way you're going to do it. So um, we move through these deep practices. Then we look at the audience and we look at um, the message, what you have to say to the world. We do something called category development, which is really helping to name the larger conversation that you as a firm want to own in the marketplace. And, um, and then we kind of put it all together into a brand narrative. So that brand narrative is very functional. It's very easy to say. It's not a crazy, overly intricate um, elevator pitch. It's just something really simple that everyone in the organization can use. But it really all depends. And it begins with that super deep dive 
into your, into what makes you, you. I think that's really important to understand because a lot of times I think when we think about business, we don't think about the personal connection. Like we'd started our businesses for usually a deeply personal reason. And maybe it was because you had a skill in the industry, right? I think that a lot of independent architects start out on their own because they, you know, are architects and they have the skill to produce architectural projects. But it's really because we're passionate about and maybe couldn't find within a firm uh, or in the area that we're in what we were as passionate about. So I love that you really take that down to a spiritual level. I think that's really important. That's part of what I bring into um, our actual built environment too, because it's not just four walls and a roof. It's really this nest that you've created for yourself, this house, and you want to think about comfort, durability, security for your family. And security can mean so many things um, for people. In some in some cases, it's just you know minimizing tripping hazards and having uh, you know light switches and doors that are wide enough to age in place. Um, there are so many things that we personally feel about our homes, right? Especially in residential design. I feel like it's really, um, I, I joke or we often joke that, um, architecture for residential can often be like marriage counseling. Like I know which side of the bed our clients sleep on and I know, you know, how they're going to use their space. And it was a very personal experience for them. So I feel like that just goes so much deeper in the creation of a home than, you know, just the typical stuff that goes up. But, I think brand strategy and high performance homes have a ton uh, in common because what you said is when you take this, you know, this really deep dive into the spirituality of what you're doing there, you're doing the things that are really important, but maybe aren't urgent, which I think is what gets pushed aside in business so frequently. And that's what we're asking people to do in higher performing homes is not to just look at the upfront dollar cost of something, but to look at the long-term effect of what that might be, whether it's adding ventilation, which um, you know, more and more people are saying, uh, you know, having fresh air ventilation in their bedrooms mean they sleep better. They get a better quality uh, rest at night. They have fewer health outcomes afterwards. They're just healthier, missing less days of work, et cetera. Um, and sometimes when you just look at a spreadsheet, that's a big number on a spreadsheet. I mean, not in the overall comparison of it. It's like 1%. It's always worth doing. And I highly encourage people to do it. But and you get that chunk and you say, oh, $12,000 for a ventilation system. Like, oh, do I really want to spend that? And it's like, no, let's look at the long-term benefit of having something like this. And I think that's where understanding your brand awareness um, is so critical. And I also think that once you get to the part where you have this mission, right, that people who are in your firm, it allows you to grow easier, right? So if you need to add more team members, there's a really solid footing for your team member to understand what your business is is trying to achieve. Um, but it also is a great way for you to evaluate whether or not a project coming in actually fits within it, right? Because then as you grow your team and you have more people and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to make sure I make payroll, but you at the same time want to go back the opposite direction and say, but is it really worth taking on this project to, you know, make sure. So I think that what you do is so critical to the foundation of a solid business and um, is often the important but not urgent. And we can wait till next year, next month to start doing that. And I think um, that's really the wrong way to think about business. <laughs> It is. I mean, it's sort of the 
I don't know, the reactive, maybe a little bit more of a patriarchal mindset, like don't worry about it till it's broken, kind of don't fix it till it hurts, <laughs> sort of a mindset. And um, gosh, I would hate for that to happen to anyone because if it's, if your brand is broken, you probably, that's a severe issue. You know, that's a, that's a, at the, at the least it's causing a lot of inefficiencies. Um, it's probably hurting your ability to hire, uh, at the at the worst, that means that you may have a major public like a PR problem. Maybe you've harmed, you know, in some way you've harmed your audience, and that is really difficult to come back from, especially for smaller businesses. Um, you don't want to be in that position. I don't want anyone to have to be in that position. So, um, yes, it is so fundamental. And it's it's actually as as we're talking about it, like I think branding and home building, the, the crafting of a space have a lot in common in architecture because you, it's really a thoughtful process to create something that reflects and serves you and also is welcoming to other people. So, you know, if you, your home is where you live, your brand is where you're spending the majority of time in your work and your career. And so you do want to take the time like you would take in creating, you know, pretty good house and creating a nest for yourself that you, you would with your, you know, with your brand, you, you want, I think that's a, that's a great point And it's a great philosophy, a great mindset for people to kind of play with this idea of, I wouldn't just throw up, you know, four walls. I wouldn't move into a place that, you know, there are big gaps in the, you know, the ceiling or something you want to have a firm foundation, a good roof, and and you want it to be a space that people walk into. When people figuratively walk into your brand, they come and they listen to this podcast or they visit your website, Emily. You want them to get a sense, a strong sense of who you are. You don't want, and I'm sure none of your listeners want their audience to come to a website or to hear about you from somebody else, get a referral, and then do their, their brand test and feel like, gosh, I don't even know they stand for. Now we, we've just added a lot of co- like difficulty for the for the potential client to this process. So even though we may be reticent and it is deep work and it requires a lot of us financially, emotionally, uh, from a vulnerability standpoint, it creates this desired effect of reflecting our ourself out to the world in, in a really beautiful and authentic way. Yeah. I think um, because a lot of architects and, you know, even builders, people who are listening to this podcast are visual people just thinking about it in terms of, you know, building your architectural houses. Like we do this for all of our clients. Why wouldn't we spend the time to do it for us, for our outward appearance? Like we're creating these beautiful spaces so our clients and their friends can come to their houses. They can enjoy them. It's this experience, you know, architecture is very experiential. You know, it's about the how the sunlight moves through the space and it's about how you know, you use different uh, patterns and flow and geometry to create these things. And it feels really the same way about creating this experience to invite people into our businesses by creating that. So um, as a visual person that like that starts to just make so much sense to me, um, you know, as it relates together. Yeah, it, it is an invitation. And, um, and we say that, you know, branding is, is not, prescriptive it's it's inspirational invitational educational and that's how people want to be presented no one's sitting around waiting to hear your pitch like nobody wants that especially not now 
our tolerance as a society because of the last several years of this inundation of of um, digital marketing and just the way that people had to shift their businesses during the pandemic, we're now coming, and I'm seeing this as a trend, like we're now coming to a point where people are so exhausted by the amount of content that is coming at them that they just really don't want to engage that way. And uh, we're seeing more and more clients that want an alternative to that, which is, you know, also we also help our clients develop content like high quality, <laughs> consistent, and that can be once a quarter, it can be once a month, it can be, hey, writing an ebook once uh, halfway through the year, but they want something that's meatier, that means something, that reflects something, um, so they, they can continue to present themselves to the world. You know, they're starting podcasts, they want to do something that is from the heart and not just like part of this bombardment of just quick fix content and, you know, all those kind of things that are sort of just irritations to everyone. Yeah. So are you seeing a shift then in the marketplace for how people are absorbing their content, right? So um, when I first started out, and, you know, I tell everybody this is really just talk about the stuff that's really important to you. That's how you kind of build some of your brand awareness is like I started a blog because people like read blogs. But, you know, in the last 10, 12 years since I started doing that, people don't read blogs as much anymore or they only read like a very short snippet. And I was I thought, you know, I'm spending so much time trying to sit down and write this and it's like a slog and I'm busy and I don't want to do it and I'm not feeling confident about the content that I, you know, I didn't have enough time to really, you know, work it the way that I wanted it to, you know, so then I started the podcast, which for me is significantly easier because I just, I like to talk to people. I keep telling everyone it's like Tuesdays with Maury for me because we, um, Chris, one of the other authors of The Pretty Good House and I just recorded a podcast and those podcasters said, yeah, you know, like our listeners said, um, you know, 30 minutes or less, that's, you know, what they can kind of take in. So they're like, we're trying to make it shorter. And I was like, yeah, I should probably do that with my podcast. But I get on and I talk to these really engaging people and it's so exciting for me. I was like, I just let it go for as long as it goes. <laughs> yeah, no, I like personally I'm like some of them are half now like my podcasts some are half an hour but that's not long enough I like kind of yeah the, the longer but also if I'm like running across town to pick up my daughter I'll select a shorter one versus I'm going on a run or a long walk I want something longer so so you did something really awesome you just selected the sort of platform based on your energy and based on how it was fitting into your life. I think that's really important for people to know when they're thinking about brand or they're thinking about content creation. A lot of our clients come in like, well, I have to do that. I have to be on Instagram, I guess. And I'm like, you don't have to do anything. You need to follow your energy. You need to go in the direction that is most engaging to you because if you don't, you're going to come across on that platform and that channel as insincere just doing it to do it. And that defeats the whole purpose to begin with. <laughs> so that's, that's for like your audience as well. I think a lot of people stop themselves from going down the path of brand. Cause like, well, I don't want to do that. And that's going to take up so much time and that's going to be a lot of effort. And, you know, there's so much bad advice out there saying, well, you have to be here and you have to do this. No, you don't. You, you need to follow what is interesting to you and, and what feels the most compelling. 
And I think um, because you talked about this in, in in a way that I really respond to, which is the spiritual aspect of that, I really feel like what you put out into the universe, you kind of get back in spades. And so if there's, if there's one platform that really resonates with you that you feel good about and you do, like you said, come across really authentic on that platform, the people who are looking to find you will find you there. And that um, the other thing maybe to potentially be open to is that could shift exactly what you know what your your end goals are or overall aspects um i'm technically trained as an architect i own an architecture practice we do projects i love that part and being part of the design but i'm really passionate about the teaching the training the the podcast talking to other people connecting in that environment and i didn't realize that that would be a thing that i would shift into more as i as i did stuff i always thought like i went to school i became an architect that means i'm going to either work for an architecture firm or i'm going to uh you know start my own practice and all i can do is is architecture and it took my business coach saying you know what do you really like to do because when you you talk to me about these things, you get really excited and really animated. And when you talk to me about these other things, um, that was the thing that I thought was hard. And I don't know if you do this with, with your brand awareness was, um, in some ways it's hard, I think as business owners to let go of the idea that this skill is what makes the dollars. Right. And so thinking about, thinking about how we approach our businesses in slightly different ways is like, I feel like if I'm not designing a house, am I, how am I making my dollars? Right. And that was a really interesting way to kind of look at what, what was I bringing? What was my overall goal? What was, what, what did I want to do? And then how was I going to achieve those things together with this thing that I was trained to do versus what else is in that world that also actually excites me? Because, you know, now in today's world, I don't think people stay in the same jobs or the same practices as long, right? And so we have the opportunity to really think about, even though I have training in this, how does that expand to, you know, many, many other markets? Yeah, I, I think we like to lead our clients kind of through an energy audit of, you know, where are they spending their energy? Um, we look at ideal audience or ideal client through that lens of who are the clients who are like, oh, someone's so calling me. I'm so excited to answer the phone. They're, they're good challengers. They make you better. You love, you know, being in a relationship with them. Um, I think we've been taught in our society, at least me as a Gen Xer, like I was taught like work is hard and you work hard. And uh, you stick to it. And and I think all of those ideas that kind of came through the structures that were in place have really sometimes blinded us to the fact that we're creating it all, um, even if you're working inside of an organization. But if you're going out on your own, you're certainly creating it all. And you decide, you make the decisions, you make the decisions about the value, about how you're going to spend your time, about who you're going to serve. So there's so many choices in there. And I once heard, I love Simon Sinek. I'm not sure if you're a his but um his book start with why really helped kind of helped form the creation of root and river but he once said in um a speech he was giving like it's important not to get too sentimental about how you make money and i think we do we get attached you know we get sentimental oh, but this was how i got trained you know i was trained as an architect you know i was trained around this and and that can kind of block you from pursuing the other things that delightful opportunity 
that come up along the way. Um, and it, I, I always remember that just my, myself as an entrepreneur myself is like, yes, you're making money that way, but that may not be the only option available to you. And, and if it, if you shift or the market starts to shift, you need to be open to that and pay attention and find, maybe that's an opportunity to find new ways to express yourself and to connect it back to branding. The brand doesn't really have to necessarily shift like from the brand itself. Like if you've created a brand that includes and is reflective of these deeper parts of you, adding a, a, a service line or adding a specialty or adding um, a podcast doesn't have to be like a huge rebrand or something. It can just be a further iteration of one aspect of your brand. Yeah. I think that's really important to look at as, you know, for architecture, hopefully we're not headed into a recession. I actually have more people who want to build than ever before. Um, you know, but if you look at what, what people are talking about and, and I think maybe more in the housing, uh, in the buying industry than so much in the, the building industry, but, um, in 2009, it was considered gainfully unemployed to be an architect because uh, nobody was building anything. You know, a lot of projects got shut down. It was when uh, the job that I was working at, I got laid off. It actually gave me the opportunity to take my um, architecture registration exam. So it was almost perfect timing because then I had the time off to do, you know, we had to take nine exams and they're all really, you know, long in depth exams. And so I had time off to really focus on that. And then I said, okay, you know, after architecture school and after you do your internship and then you do your uh, architecture registration exams, you kind of breathe this sigh. You've been at it now for a long period of time, at least probably a decade. And you go, okay, now I can do something else. And I looked at the market and I thought, well, we had just moved to Maine like two years before my husband was from there. And I was like, well, what, you know, what does Maine need? And it was, you know, it's cold climate. They need to have insulation. They need to have higher performing houses. And so I started doing that in tandem with my practice. I did a lot of consulting for a number of years. It made me a better architect, but it allowed me to kind of open it up and say, yeah, sure, I'm an architect, but people aren't building right now. What else is in here? How can I grow my interest level, which I was always really interested in that. My grandfather was a contractor. He had a solar panel on his roof to heat hot water. Like when I was a kid, so well before it was, you know, even common or popular. And so I think I had always just been interested in it. And I said, well, here's my opportunity to shift and do something completely different. But if I don't shift completely, what else fits in this and what am I interested in? And that was how I really started growing my knowledge base to where I am now. And it set me up for this position. And maybe it took me 12 years to get to where I am, you know, right now, but it allowed me to kind of think outside the box a little bit as to what I was doing and how I was going to apply that to, you know, uh, you're not always taught in architecture school how to efficiently build houses, right? You're taught how to design, which is also great. I think some of the value of architecture school is really just to get you to think outside the box, which is awesome. And then you go for practical application. But prior to that, I felt like a lot of my training was, we designed this thing, now we need to figure out how to make it efficient. And that never quite made sense to me. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, by going into a lot of older houses, trying to improve the efficiency, seeing how they were constructed, you could start to learn how to do that during the design process. And I was like, oh, well, now this makes a lot more sense to me. And so it was really 
I thought it was really exciting to have that shift. So I appreciate that you, you know, that you say that about branding, which is if you dig deep down the inside to what it is, um, then even if you're not doing the one tangible thing that maybe you started out with, um, it doesn't mean that it's outside of your brand or what your brand does or offers or, or, or can bring to the table. So. Yeah. You know, I think we've, we've thought that these career lines or whatever, are linear and straight and they're not <laughs> like so circuitous and winding. Um, I'm a fan of Joseph Campbell and his work around myth and um, storytelling. And uh, one of his quotes that has been kind of bastardized uh, is follow your bliss. And what he really meant was not just like be happy, but what is it inside of you that is like I, bliss as, as something that inspires you, that intrigues you, that there is this breadcrumb of like interest and like, oh, and my grandfather hit that solar panel. And like, how does that work? And maybe I can learn more about that. Um, the further I get into my life and into my business and into uh, working with other businesses, the more I see that those who are aligned and they keep that spark of passion and desire going for themselves through their work and not creating separate divisions and oh well, no that's different the happier and more inspired that we can be as human beings and that just leads to a lot of other downstream beneficial we're happy in our lives we're happier in our relationships we treat people better if you're building a business or building a brand the brand flourishes and is more interesting over time because it offers new things um so it's it's really a dynamic process, and it, but it relies upon somebody who is willing to take that circuitous route, see where it goes. Yeah, to think of it outside of just this business as some kind of a financial money making machine to do X, Y, or Z. It really is a much deeper. Um, Which maybe is why there's lots of businesses out there that don't really have strong brands. You know, it's a business, and it might be relatively successful. Um, you know, but it's not really connected to to who who they are or the founders were uh, uh, as part of it. So um, as people are getting ready to either end the year or get started next year, I have a couple of questions. But, you know, if you're just getting started or going out on your own, is that the time to do your brand strategy? Or do you think that it takes people a little bit of time kind of working into it to really understand who they are? There are benefits about doing it um, right at the beginning. And um, there are benefits to doing it a little bit later. But, you know, there's not one ideal time because every business is different and every business owner is different. And so it's I know it sounds like perhaps esoteric, but when you get a sense and a feeling in your gut, like I need to if you're like, I need to have this foundation to move forward, then probably the right time to do it is the beginning knowing that maybe it's going, you're going to learn, it's going to shift. And in three years, you're going to come back to it and go, oh yeah, this is still really true. And this has shifted a little fine. You can make that adjustment a lot more easily. Um, sometimes, you know, people are more experiential, like, okay, I just got to get into it and see what happens. Cause maybe they're less formulated about what they're offering or whatever. Um, so in, in some cases, you know, we're working with clients who are five years in and they sort of never did that foundational work three to five years. I'm like, okay, we need to do it now. 
It's usually a little bit more of a rush then because they're growing or they're, they need that extra level of sophistication and polish in their brand in order to capitalize on the opportunities in front of them. So in the beginning, you have a little bit more spaciousness to do it, but you may have less funding. <laughs> Later, right. you probably have more funding in place, but it's usually... we need less time space. and spaciousness to think outside the box yeah. with it. <laughs> and then there's usually a third um, moment where our clients find us, which is maybe 30, maybe 15, um, maybe 20 years down the road, where they had a brand, um, intentionally or not. And now something has shifted. Maybe new ownership is coming in. Maybe they're getting ready to take a huge step forward in growth. Um, and the brand has just kind of become static and stale and they need to update. And And that's usually when it's a room full of people. It's no longer just the founder. It's usually a, a leadership group because the brand still needs to reflect the culture and everything that that brand has become. It all needs to be reintegrated from that founding vision into a new uh into a new vision that's going to take them forward so that's generally like the moments where our clients find us and there is not people ask me that all the time there's really not it just depends on the person and it depends on how committed you're going to be to the practice of brand that doesn't mean you have to do something every day but branding is a practice and it is something that you should think about revisiting regularly intending i see the beautiful garden behind you on your screen. It's like, it is a garden. You have to tend to it. You've got to see what's thriving and weed out what's not. So like there is no such thing as a zero maintenance house. There is no such thing as a zero maintenance brand as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, send me all your phrases and then I'll just like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's so amazing to me how, uh, how tied together these things are. And like, maybe it's simply just never taking the time to take the step back and actually like think about that or look at it or, or whatever, where you, where you, uh, even I've been teaching this workshop, um, on pretty good house and, you know, talking about materials and it's like, okay, well, we want to talk about embodied carbon that's in the materials, which is, you know, extraction processing trucking and getting it to your site it has a impact on the environment like what is that impact um but then talking about okay then what's in the material are we asking it to do things that it doesn't inherently do like stain resistant antimicrobial like all these things right so now we've added this layer of we're trapping it in the house with you and thinking about you know ventilation or what we're asking these materials to do and then we take it the next step farther which is when you have to decommission that project that product and you take it off of your house where does it go does it go in the landfill can it you know will it decompose is it plastic and it's going to be around forever and so you almost when you're thinking about a material it's not just like what am I going to put on my wall here and what color am I going to paint it it's like what is this material and what is all of it and thinking about that from a much broader perspective than just like this is the material that goes on the wall, you know? And so it sounds to me, um, you know, thinking about your, you know, taking a step back and really thinking about that idea of brand too, is you can't just think about it as like, this is my logo, right? Or this is the right. platform that they tell me that I need to be on for my business, right? It, it's not about that. It's it's so much more. And there are so many impacts that don't have maybe anything even to do with your business that affect your brand, um, and so I can, I can really easily see how, you know, what you do and what I do and how you approach them have very similar aspects and how you approach it. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's really awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time today. Um, and joining me here at the end, I'm super excited, uh, to have, had other women on the podcast, really uh, showing other entrepreneurs out there that uh, highlight everybody can do all the things that they do. And so I appreciate that you were willing to take your time and kind of talk to uh, my audience about what they should be doing and thinking about their brand. It was awesome to meet you in Austin this year. Um, I see us connecting a lot more in the future. I hope so. So I'm a fan, as you know, of everything you do and your philosophies. And um, I would be happy to talk to you on you and your audience anytime. It's really a pleasure. Yeah. So. Well, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you, Emily, for joining me today on the podcast. I just want to say this has been a great year on the E3 podcast. I've been happy to have so many wonderful and varied guests on to talk about everything from building science to architecture to entrepreneurship and what we've got going on in our country right now. So thanks for reaching out. If there's anything you want to hear about next year, uh, we'll do another 12 episodes next year. Emily at matramarch.com. In the meantime, I hope you take a restful, relaxing couple weeks here at the end of the year, and I'll see you again in January.